It's rich. It's powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is there is something very special about this meeting. And uh, most of you probably don't know, but there was uh, t- two other preachers, I think three, that were slotted to be here. And two of them, their wives became very sick. And the minute I accepted to come, my wife got really, really sick. And uh, she's, she's doing better right now, but... Um, Right before I got on the plane, I started getting really, really sick. And uh, this is no exaggeration. I said, I'm going to have to call Joel right now and tell him I cannot go. And um, my wife and I prayed, and I struggled to get on the plane. And then I called uh, Pastor Joel Buxton. And, uh, and I told him, I said, man, pray. I said, I feel so much pressure, and I feel so sick. And when I got off the plane, I went to the rental car station. And the girl at the rental car station said, are you okay? And I said, no, I don't feel good. She said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm here to preach a conference. She said, stand up, man of God, and preach. She said, the Lord... She said, stand up, man of God, and preach. She said, the Lord is going to use you to intercede on his people's behalf. Jesus. 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 Can we lift our hands right now? There's a powerful move of the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Satan, you're a liar. Satan, you're a liar. God, we give you the praise right now. God, we give you the praise right now. We give you the praise right now for bodies that are going to be healed before the preaching ever begins. God, we give you the praise right now. We give you the praise right now because you're doing something real time. Hallelujah. Jesus. So I felt very impressed of God to preach what I'm going to preach to you. I was not going to preach it, but Brother Hodges did me the favor of confirming that I'm supposed to preach this. And so I'm going to preach what the Lord has put on my heart. If you have your Bibles, the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, I give honor to all the saints of God and to the men of God that are here tonight. 
And I want to hurry up and just preach and get out of the way. How many people are going to help me preach? Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I want to preach to you just for a few moments on this subject, spiritual warfare. Can we say that together? Spiritual warfare. Put your Bibles down. Let's begin to pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless the next few moments of this service. Jesus, we thank you for the power of your spirit. God, I pray that every saint of God in this house would walk out of here with all of the armor of God. Lord, I pray that we would go back into our cities and stir things up in the Holy Ghost. I pray that we would pray for one another, pray for each other's churches, pray for our families, our loved ones, our lost ones. Jesus, I pray that a mighty revival would spring forth out of these services. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout, Amen. Give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. Jesus! Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. There are people who laugh at the idea of spiritual warfare. No indifference to the unseen world, however, changes the fact that it is very real. And it has a direct impact on the status of human life. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says that the lost are lost because they are blinded by the God of this world. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives a parable about the wheat and the tares. 
Jesus says that the tares were the result of two things. The first is laborers who slept. And the second is an enemy who sowed bad seed while the laborers slept. And by saying these things, Paul and Jesus are making a direct correlation between the status of people's salvation and the efforts of Satan. Satan not only oppresses the lost, he withstands the saved. And none of this is new. Satan has been doing this since the beginning. Genesis 3, it is Satan who deceives Eve and Adam. And it is Satan and his seed that will be at enmity with the woman and with her seed for generation upon generation. First Chronicles 21 and 1, it is Satan who stood up against the people of Israel and provoked David to number them, a tragedy that resulted in the death of thousands. Job 2 and 7, it is Satan who goes forth from the presence of the Lord and smites Job, not once, not twice, but several times, each time progressively worse than the last. In Zechariah 3.11, it is Satan who stands at the right hand of the high priest to resist him in service to God and God's people. In Matthew 4, it is Satan that tempts our Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke 13 and 16, Jesus heals a woman who had been debilitated by a disease for over 18 years. After healing her, Jesus concludes by saying that for those nearly two decades, she was bound by Satan. John 13 and 27, it is Satan who enters into the heart of Judas and induces the betrayal of Jesus Christ. The same Apostle John will go on to write in his other books, for example, the book of Revelation, about the seat of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, and the depths of Satan. Each of these represents the the effects and the influence of Satan over the affairs of humanity. In his final epistle, John says these powerful words, that for this purpose was the incarnation invoked, to destroy the works of Satan. The very purpose of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh was to destroy the works of Satan. Let me just tell you something. God does not want anybody bound by drugs. God does not want anybody bound. God does not want anybody bound by alcohol. God does not want anybody captive to pornography. God does not want anybody prisoner to suicide. God does not want anybody held captive to abuse, neglect. God does not want anybody walking around, amen, feeling like they don't deserve to be on planet earth. Uh, God does not want anybody walking around uh, with the inability to overcome the power of Satan. So great is his desire for you and I to be free that he came in the flesh to destroy the works of Satan. He's... He took a cross on his back to destroy the works of Satan. He stayed on that cross to destroy the works of Satan. He took a bloody beating to destroy the works of Satan. I'm telling you, if there's one thing God wants for us tonight, is to be free from the works of Satan. Is to be free from the devil's attacks. Is to be free... Oh, come on. Come on. 
Somebody give God a hand praise. We're in a war. 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 But God came in the flesh. God. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. Let's pray. Let's lift our hands just for a few seconds. The Holy Ghost is talking to somebody right now. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody visitor I know you might be getting a little nervous right now thinking you walked into the wrong service that is the voice of Satan he does not want you to be free he does not want you to get loose he doesn't want you to go back to your house and win your family I'm preaching to somebody right now you're half backslid maybe everybody knows it maybe nobody knows it and you're wondering I wonder what's going to happen at the end of this service I'll tell you what's going to happen you're going to have to resist the voice of Satan make your way down to the altar and get free because that is the will of God that was the purpose of the incarnation that is why God was manifested in the flesh oh I didn't have this originally on my mind, but can I preach to a pastor's wife right now? Pastor's wife, you're going to have to get your spiritual dukes up. You're going to have to put the gloves on and you're going to have to go to war. Because when the devil can't destroy your husband, he'll come after you. He'll come after your children. Anything to stop the work of God, he'll weigh heavy on you. He'll make you think it's health issues. He'll make you think you're just going through some odd depression. It is the works of Satan. God wants to destroy those works tonight. He wants to free you up. He wants to loot. But you're going to have to pray, woman of God. You're in a war. Come on, somebody praise him right now. The Holy Ghost is To be dismissive about the reality of spiritual resistance is not only dangerous, it is scriptural negligence. The church is in a war, and there is no scripture to support otherwise. The Bible speaks about the armor of God, the weapons of warfare, the good fight of faith, and the treading of serpents. Brother, those are fighting words. That is, those are words to describe the mode that the church is in. The action that the church is taking. We are in a war. And I am worried. I am worried that we are losing contact with the fine art of spiritual warfare. Apostolic churches are unlike any other church. We're not just depending on our programs. We're not even just depending on our preaching. And I think we have great preaching. And I think we have great programs. And we're not just depending on our buildings. If you think we're just depending on our buildings, try to build just a few extra feet on this building and see if the devil don't fight you every square inch. Because the devil knows, amen, that there's a spiritual... 
There is a spiritual element among those that are baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, living a holy and consecrated life. He knows that when those people get on their knees, when those people begin to pray, when those people begin to lift their hands, when those people... He knows that foundations are going to... Somebody give God a hand praise right now if you believe that. Come on. There are some of you here under the sound of my voice. I'm not chiding you. I'm not rebuking you. But I want you to know you need to wash your head. You need to wash your head of the idea that we are Christianity's strange uncle. We are not that. Amen. We are the true Christians. We are the apostolics. We are they of Acts chapter 2. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not the other Pentecost. I am Pentecost. We are, we are not the other Pentecostals. There is no other Pentecostals. If you are not practicing what was practiced in Acts 2, and Acts 8, and Acts 10, and Acts 19, you are not Pentecostal. You might be a million other things, but you are not Pentecostal. You are... Come on. Come on. Come on. You got to get that. You got to get that in your spirit right now. You got to get that in. For about five seconds, lift your hands right now and be Pentecostal. Just be Pentecostal. to the idea that we are in war is the idea that we are the church triumphant. We are the church triumphant. Yes, we are in a battle. But yes, we are going to win. I said yes, we are going to win. We are going to win. If we're here till there's a one world government, we're going to win. If we are... If we are here to see World War III, we are going to win. We will have church. We will be apostolic. If this country goes upside down, we're going to win. We will have revival. It might be on different terms, but it'll be the same doctrine. It'll be the same Jesus. It'll be the same waters. It'll be... Come on. Come on. between you and Jesus whether you are pre, post, or mid but you better believe the church win come on come on come 
on. And not only do we win here, we win in Venezuela. And not only do we win here, we win in China. We win in Asia. We win in Africa. We win in Europe. We win. We win, we win, we win, because Jesus is on the throne, and he's got his whole hand. Come on, somebody, come on. You're winning. You're winning. You're winning. you go to college you can win and when you go to your new job you can win and when you're broke you can win and when you got when you got money you can win when you got diabetes you can win when you got terminal cancer you can win when you when you got wayward kids you win when you Jesus did not put you on the winning team to sideline you. The church doesn't have first, second, third strings. Everybody's in. Everybody's in. First generation, fifth generation. Everybody's in. Young people, mature saint. Everybody's in. Young couples, singles. Everybody's in. College and career is in. Pastor is in. Assistant pastor's in. Sunday school, in. Everybody's in the battle. Ushers are in. Saint of God, you're in. You're Oh, magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together right now. about the Nazis or the civil rights movement. At some point, every great movement, be it horrible or wonderful, inducted even the children into the whole thing. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Don't you go do outreach by yourself. Bring those kids. Put them in the carts. Walk them down the street. Watch them watch you knock. I'm not going to sideline my kids. I want my kids to know we're Pentecostal. I want my kids to know we're on the winning team. I want my kids to know I am not afraid of this present age. I want my kids to know that what we have, what we have is God's gift to humanity. What we have. 
What we have is nothing to be ashamed about. What we have shakes the bondage. What we have breaks the chains. What we have opens the cage. What we have changes the future. What we have erases the past. What we have makes a difference in the present. What we have... With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to talk to you about a few things that we've got to understand about spiritual warfare. Number one, spiritual warfare involves winning the battles that were lost in the past. Saints of God, there are some trials that you will go through over and over and over and over and over again until you win. God will not just move you forward. God will not just keep advancing you. God wants to make sure that you learn your lesson. God wants to make sure that you defeat some giants. And let me just tell you right now, giants got brothers. So don't ever get too chill and don't ever get too laid back because once you win one battle, you're just going to be on to the next one. But you win. And so you don't got to be afraid of advancing. You don't got to be afraid of going forward. What you do have to be afraid of is living the same year over and over and over again. What you do got to be afraid of is an 11 day journey taking 40 years. What you do have to be afraid of is going from church to church to church to church, blaming every pastor you've ever had, blaming every church you've ever had, blaming every... I'm still preaching really good right about now. There comes a point when you got to say, I'm staying right here and I'm going to win that battle I lost back in 1985. I'm staying right here and I'm not going to backslide this summer. I'm staying right here and I'm going to defeat that giant of fornication and I'm going to defeat that giant of adultery and I'm going to defeat that giant of pornography and I'm going to defeat that giant. I'm going to defeat that giant of gossip. I'm going to defeat that giant of church splitting. I'm going to, yeah, 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 I'm going to defeat. Somebody praise God right now. God's doing something in the Holy Ghost. God did not give mankind a humanity simply so they could archive dates. The purpose of your memory is so that you might remember. And that you might get victory. And that you might not go through the same trials twice. You know, the city where I'm at, I'm not the first pastor that was ever there. There was another pastor there. And God in his goodness gave me some saints that used to be part of that church there. And when I tell you that I picked their brain all the time to figure out what happened three years in, what happened five years in, what happened ten years in, I want to know because I know that giants got brothers. And I know we might knock down some, but I know there's others we're going to have to knock down. And so I'm always prepared for what's coming down the road. Amen. you got to be like that about your walk with God. If you got family members that are all backslid, you better find out where they went wrong and 
Make sure you don't go wrong right there. If you got... If you see your youth group all fall into the same sin, you better detect it, identify it, and stand up in righteousness. If you see... Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, let's magnify Jesus right now. I want to... For about 10 seconds, let's magnify God. Just close your eyes. There's revelation that's going to be imparted to you right now. raised in church. My parents are divorced. They've been divorced a long time. I've never seen my parents married. But I can tell you, very early on in my marriage, there were times where my wife and I had little spats, and I would go look in the mirror, and the Holy Ghost would speak to me and say, that's the spirit that defeated your parents. You better knock it out of your life. You better kill it before it kills you. You better take it down. I'm preaching to some married couples right now. I'm telling you, you better listen to this preacher. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost. At some point, you got to realize there's a drama going on. Amen. There's, there's something... There's something working in the background. You better realize that there's gears turning in the background. And you're going to have to be the... I don't care if you've never seen it done. You better get your you better get your nose in the book. You better get your knees bent and start praying until God gives you the key to defeat that spirit that took your daddy out, that took your Uncle Richard out, that took your mama out, that took your grandfather out. You better... Come on, it's got to stop with you. It has to stop with you because there's a whole family line that's trying to come out from you of apostolics, Pentecostals, victorious, drug-free, divorce-free, alcohol-free. Come on, come on. Yes. Come on, God wants to bless all the families of the earth. Spiritual warfare involves doctrinal clarity. When you get into spiritual warfare, you better have your doctrine straight. You better have your Deuteronomy 6 4 straight. You better understand that God is one without any divisions of persons. He is not one God with three people. That is nonsense. He is one. In the most absolute singular sense. tell you something. This is, this is probably whatever. This might interest you. May not. I, I take Hebrew classes. M- my, my Hebrew teacher could speak the most ancient form of Hebrew. And one day in our Hebrew class, 
we were reading through Genesis 1. In Hebrew, if the noun is male and singular, the verbs must be male and singular as well. In the Hebrew language, nouns and verbs can either be plural or singular, male or female. And so if the noun, the object, the subject is a male and singular, all the verbs after it will be too. And as we are reading Genesis 1, Bereshit bara Elohim, he stopped me. He said, you realize what that's saying, don't you? And I looked back at him. I said, I do understand. He says, do you really understand? I said, I really understand. He said, Ari, there's no trinity. I said, I never thought there was. Because all the verbs are singular and they're male because the Elohim is singular and male. He, he scooted his chair back. He said, you don't believe in the Trinity? I said, it's, I said, it's nonsense and it's hubris to even believe. It. I'm telling you, the grammar is against it. The very fabric on the paper is against it. There is one God who is above all, in all, through all, through you. You better get your doctrine straight. You bet. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ah, uh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. You got to shake off that shame. There's something that tries to get a hold of us. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of us feeling like, you know what? I don't know. We do know. You do know. You do know. You do know. Quit telling yourself you're not sure. If you don't know now, you know. And you better, you better shout about it. You better get excited about it. You better get it down in your gizzard. Because you are in a war. Come on, come on, come on. I see somebody getting loosed over there. I can feel it up here. special souls reserved for the church that totally is sold out on this message there are people out there that God has just just has them in holding tanks for the church that says this is what we believe unconditionally unquestionably undeniably I was preaching the other day. So I'm sure some of the people already heard this story, but I was preaching the other day. I was in the hotel. I was preaching in Fresno for Brother Lackey. I got a phone call from a man, Hector. Hector said, I want to go to church. I said, well, come on down. He said, actually, I told Hector, you know what, Hector? I said, you need a Bible study first. I said, but come on down. Let's have a Bible study. He said, let's do it. We met up that Monday. 
He sat down in front of me. I was expecting an older gentleman. He's a young, chiseled, good-looking young guy. He said, Pastor Prado, he said, I've been in jail for many years. He said, but when I was in jail, I made a vow to myself that I'd get my act together. He said, I picked up the Bible and I started reading it. He said, I read it two, three times a year now. He said, and I have for the last five years. The guy could quote the Bible in ways I cannot even explain to you. I mean, he could just go down the line every verse. I started giving him a Bible study. Every verse I started quoting, he'd finish it. He said, Pastor Prado, I have two questions for you. He said, the first question is, I am beginning to suspect that God is not three in one, but one in three. I said, sir, your suspicions are accurate. I started quoting Ephesians 4 and 4 to him. He, he finished the quote for me. And when we got to the part of baptism, he said, that was my next question. I need to be baptized. How do I do it? I told him, in the name of Jesus. He quoted Acts 2.38 to me. The next day I took him down in the backyard of our home missions church. And a look. Come on. I'm serving notice on the devil in my city. We will have doctrinal clarity at all costs, at all expenses, at the loss of popularity. I don't care. I don't care who's going the other way. I'm dropping right here and I'm not moving. I don't. You know what? Let me be very honest with you. I refuse to be that Pentecostal church that wants to be known for its singing. If, if, if you ain't never been in my church, let me tell you, I, God has blessed us with musicians. I got people in my church that can sing. But you know what? We will not be known as the church that can sing. We will be known as the church where you go to get your life together. Where you go to get... We're going to be that... That Bible preaching, Bible teaching, scripture reading, Bible marking, Holy Ghost filled, laying hands on the sick, devil chasing, spiritual warfare, come get you some apostolic church. not be known for our singing we'll have good singing i will not be known for our programs we'll have good programs we will be known for our doctrinal clarity we will be known as those people that can we ain't doing thompson chain reference we're doing apostolic chain reference honey we're going to acts 2 acts 4 acts 8 acts 10 acts 19 unique position but we are in a position right now that we must apprehend what has apprehended us that is where the apostolic movement is right now we must apprehend what has apprehended us 
There, there, there's a church where I live. It's got over 1,100 members. They gather only one time on Sundays for a few short hours, and then they break out throughout the entire Bay Area. They have tiny little churches everywhere. They're predominantly Chinese. But you know what they're starting to call themselves? The Acts chapter 2 church. There are people moving in our direction. If you have any idea about moving the other direction, you are silly. There are people encroaching on what we are taking for granted. There are people who are beginning to say, we believe the whole Bible, but this Acts book right here is beginning to really make us curious. This Acts book right here is really starting to spark my interest. This chapter 2, where they spoke in tongues. This Acts chapter 2, where Peter said, in the name of Jesus. You better apprehend what apprehended you. I don't care if you've been raised in this. You better get a hold of what got a hold of your grandpa. You better get a hold of what got a hold of your daddy. You better get a hold. Somebody give God a hand praise right now. You better get that tongue talking right. I'm preaching to people right now. If you struggle speaking in tongues, you need to pray tonight until you stop struggling speaking in tongues. Let me tell you something. This talking in tongues stuff was talked about by Jesus way back in in John chapter 3 when he told Nicodemus. When he told Nicodemus that you hear the sound. That word sound right there in the Greek is phone. When you hear the sound, phone literally means language. It's where we get the word phonics from. Jesus said that the Holy Ghost is like a language that you hear. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. They got this Holy Ghost, this phone. They begin to speak in other tongues. And it was a sound, it was a language that came and nobody could figure out. How are they speaking and where did this come from? They didn't know these languages. They never spoke these languages. I'm telling you, buddy, this is real deal. Don't you, you better plug into it. You better get that thing flowing in your life. Because that is how we... For about 10 seconds, let's just magnify Jesus. Somebody's going to begin to speak in tongues right now. Rebuke the spirit of chronic seeker. If you're standing next to somebody and needs the Holy Ghost, just put your hands on them right now. If you struggle speaking in tongues, young person, lift your hands right now. And don't stop just when you start crying. Go past the tears. If you don't know if you have the Holy Ghost, run up here right now. You're going to know you got it tonight.
Does she need the Holy Ghost? Tell her to lift her hands right now. Tell her to close her eyes. Tell her to lift her head and begin to say hallelujah. Levanta la cabeza, comienza a decir hallelujah. Y en unos momentos vas a comenzar a hablar en otras lenguas. Ahí viene. There it is. She's already getting touched right now. By the power that is in the name of Jesus. Por la autoridad del nombre de Jesús. Recibe el Espíritu Santo. Y habla en lenguas. There it is. She's getting it. She's getting it. She's getting it. 